happening? We're here. What's happening? What's happening? We've never seen any of this. How's it going? I'm Andy. I'm Sammy. I'm Raymond. And we're here to talk to you about a... (laughs) Scaring me every time. (laughs) We switched our seating order. We're in a different location today, so... Trying to keep it fresh? Yeah. I, uh, I... I, col- I pulled a uh, executive decision and said, we got to watch Akira on my TV. Mm-hmm. Whoa, spoilers. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's not even what this one's about. No. Nah, <laughs> I mean, a couple weeks, you'll, yeah, you'll yeah, hear. You'll... I don't think it's a secret that we're batch recording episodes. That's, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> and I wanted to watch Akira forever, so yeah. I knew it was happening. All right. So um, today we are talking about, oh, you're going to hear cat noises because my cat is a noisy asshole. So, there will be, he's going to be crawling all all over this shit in a couple minutes, I'm sure. But you'll hear him yelling, so Morty, Morty is featured on, featured guest on the podcast this week. And, uh, so, he watched most of another movie we're going to talk about later. Perfect. So, we can get his. I'm sure he has a lot of thoughts. We'll get his thoughts on it. (laughs) Maybe he can make sense of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about the Hulu documentary, the Amazing Jonathan documentary. But mm-hmm. first, we're going to do our what we've been watching and kind of do a catch up since since we met last week. Sure. So, so uh, you didn't answer my question. Can we talk news first? Yeah, we could talk a little do, news. Do like two two sure. things happened yeah. within hours of each other. Oh, yeah. That one day, <laughs> the first one being the new James Bond title. Yes. Which yep. I'm so pumped about. No time to die. No time to die. I'm very excited about it. I don't that really. Title. I started to think about it, and I'm like, what? that doesn't make. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, really half, make half sense. Of the titles but don't make that's sense. True. Yeah, but I was like, no it's, time it sounds to metal die. as fuck. It does. So that's uh-huh. what. That's what you mean. So does. It, it sounds very much like a James Bond title, without actually being a James Bond title. You know, it's not based on any of the books it, or it anything. It feels very much like a title we would have seen in. The Kiss Kiss Bang Bang movie. Yes. <laughs> so yes. It's, it's very pulpy, so I wonder kind of. If that means they're going to go full campy with it. Because they did like half and half with Spectre. Right. They couldn't mm-hmm. decide if they wanted to still be serious or be mm-hmm. campy. So I wonder now that they have this title, if it's going to go all and the it's way. It's also Daniel Craig's like last one that he's going to do. Yeah. I hope that it leans more towards Skyfall that's like classy action. Mm. Uh-huh. With some like one-liners that are campy, sure. but less like Spectre. That was like I think Spectre. I I thought it was fun when they were doing it, but it didn't fit with what I, the I movies he's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Casino Royale is my favorite James Bond uh, movie, yes. and that does, doesn't really have any of that. <laughs> the internet's kind of been going over trying to like find any sort of reference in James Bond lore to this title, it's and the only that. thing that somebody has pointed out is that there's a movie in the '50s that's called No Time to Die. That was produced by Cubby Broccoli, but it has nothing to do with James Bond or anything like that. Hmm. So, but it's got what, the Broccoli. What genre of movie is it? I, I think it was like a drama. Sure. Okay. So, huh. I'm sure a drama. Like a fifties. Yeah, <laughs> produced by Cubby Broccoli. I uh-huh. don't need to watch that. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we've. Have you guys seen the the still like the production pictures that have come out of James Bond and? Um, and Felix Leiter wearing like Hawaiian T-shirts. I've not seen it. Uh, either, I no. it yeah, I saw that and was like, ah, sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Felix Leiter's back. That's cool. yeah. Dad bods in full form. <laughs> nice. Wearing Hawaiian shirts in Jamaica. Daniel Craig does not have a dad bod. Or in this movie, does he? Does he I gain mean, more than? Does he gain the maybe. dad bod? Between Spectre and this, he, he probably have yeah. more than he did in Casino Royale. Yeah. But oh, okay. <laughs> it's too long between movies for him to, I think, keep bulked up. 
Yeah. Bolt. I imagine that, you know, they've announced the trip. They've announced the title. Mm-hmm. We have, there are like finishing up filming. I was going to say, now. when does it come out next year? April. Mm, comes out April. in April. I would assume we're going to get a trailer with Knives Out. Because that comes out in November. Ooh. So that would probably be And also be Daniel right. Craig. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's what I'm, why I'm thinking we'll probably get a trailer around then. So. Well, I guess I'll be seeing that. Yes. Yeah. I'll be so, seeing that movie anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> so excited. So. And yeah. the other news, not as exciting and well, not let's, as fun. Let's, let's save that one for the end because also five minutes after the second news, they announced that Keanu Reeves and... Oh, yes. That was uh, the other thing. Yeah. yeah. The Wachowskis are coming Lana back. Wachowski. Lana Wachowski. Okay, so, just Lana. So why not both? Apparently they've been fighting. Oh, okay. They they um, disbanded their production company like oh, a couple months ago, yeah. and uh, with all the news just kept saying Lana, and I was like, "Where's stating <laughs> that they were fighting, mm-hmm. that they were disagreements between the siblings?" So sure. th- that's why they disbanded. And it, yeah, it's just Lana who's back, mm-hmm. but it's also being writ- co-written by Lana and um, the guy who wrote the book Cloud Atlas. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, okay. And it's being right. <laughs> it's being touted as the fourth installment in the Matrix. Sure. With Keanu Reeves and um, why can I not remember her name? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss, who plays uh-huh. Trinity. My, um, mom, my mom's name is Carrie Ann. So we're, I was like, when I was young, I was like, Mom, can you do what? Can you are you Trinity? <laughs> can you do what Trinity does. So that was kind of <laughs> weird news. I re- yes, I, re- I don't. I remember them saying that there was a reboot coming. Right. W- yes. I do remember that, that was going to star Michael B. Jordan. Oh yeah, and that was that. that was fairly recently. Yeah, and I was more. He ex- was the one who was his like production company was going to be pushing that forward. Yeah, and I feel like I would be more inclined to see that than a right. fourth movie with Keanu Reeves as Neo. I mean, it's the perfect time to capitalize because Keanu's back in full force, but also yeah, I don't. The movies two so and three of the Matrix I've, are not good. I've seen the trilogy several times. I still don't get the ending. <laughs> is he alive or is he dead? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, I guess he's probably alive. <laughs> yeah, that's what... So. Uh, but uh, one of the comments I saw was like, well, that doesn't even make sense because he died. But I was like, did he? <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I could not tell you. Okay. <laughs> so he could be... But also, one person we do know that does die is uh, Trinity. Trinity for sure dies. Yeah. So Straight there's up. Some, there's, <laughs> if they both are dead, then there's a way they're bringing I cry every time it happens. <laughs> It's so upsetting. She's, you know, I can tell you right now, the trailer is going to end with her being like, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated exaggerated and walk out and Keanu's going to be like, Trinity. And it's going to be like, the Matrix 4. (laughs) The Matrix Resurgence. I'd be interested (laughs) to see if like Chad Stahelski comes back as like stunt coordinator now that he's like, they're doing John Wick. So, and he is in charge of John Wick. Oh yeah. So So, does he come back and do... Keanu stunt double in coordination, or is that'd he be in... so cool. <laughs> interesting. interesting. I mean, that is how they came together. So that's interesting to see if he'd be involved in the project as well, because that then it's also becomes a fucking essentially like a. Now that you know he can do all that stuff, do you right. get him to do like choreograph a bunch of bunch of crazy stunts? Uh-huh. Yeah. Does not, it become a John Wick so much, four in the Matrix? Not so much you know? uh, CGI as the second one and the yeah. third mm-hmm. one. <laughs> well, I get it now. Cloud Atlas. So now there's cloud. In the internet, so it's going to be Cloud Matrix. Gotcha. No, we figured it out. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be really mad if that's what it is. Because yeah. I don't put it past him. No, 
now it's in the cloud. <laughs> well, all right. So the the last piece of news that we'll talk about, and I will do my best to not flip this table. I literally uh, just like look at my phone. I had like a meeting with staff, and I just look, and both of you were like, "Fuck Sony," and I was like, "What happened?" I don't even know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's dumb. So it's, it's a, a couple days out from the news now, I have complicated feelings right, about me too. it. Because there's more involved than what's originally been reported. Sony announced that they were ending their partnership with Kevin Feige and Marvel for <laughs> Spider-Man mm-hmm. to be in the MCU. Which, well, at the way it was originally reported is Marvel and Kevin left. The, right. The, that was yes. the first thing I saw. Yes. And apparently all of this is very normal negotiation tactics yeah. for studios to do. The only thing is none of it is reported on because... Right. It's not Spider-Man. They're feeding it through <laughs> right. a PR machine. So normally it goes through those steps until they come to a decision. Yes. But because yeah. it's Spider-Man, it's all... And di- and what and out. Raymond and I were talking a little bit before. It seems mm-hmm. like Disney knew there was going to be fan outcry. Mm-hmm. So Disney was fine with that information getting out there and having the internet blow up so that they right. can go back to Sony there's, and be like, what are you going to do? It's, it's the, the years, there's companies participating in a hashtag save spider-man campaign on twitter it's like there's celebrities there's marvel and people i retweeted one on on twitter that was durex of india yes yes. oh that one is so bad and that is durex condoms of india yes (laughs) doing save what does it it say again it It says like he hasn't finished. Why should you? Or something. something like it's that. something along the Finish lines of finishing soon. too soon. Yeah, finish, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Oh, good. It's it's bad. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite one in particular was uh, the Jeremy Renner, where he posted a promotional picture of himself, mm-hmm. and then had like a big thing that was like, "Oh, you're disrespecting Stan Lee by mm-hmm. taking Spider Man away." But I just thought it was funny that it was a promotional picture of him. Gotta go uh, check out his online store, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's complicated. Because really all it is is a, it's back and forth negotiations between and, two companies. And they, and almost everything i Someone has sat in on the negotiations yeah. and leaked it. Yeah. And almost everything I've read said that, like, they're going to figure this out. Yeah, there's it no way Marvel lets it It shouldn't have been... Disney. Yeah. And the way that I imagine it probably went is Disney went to Sony and wanted... They wanted 50-50. Because right now, they're, Disney only makes 5%. Of mm-hmm. what those movies make, which is like embarrassingly low mm-hmm. for yeah. what they do, but still a lot. Yes, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> yes. But if you're a company like Disney, and Sony, you're making all the money in the world, well, and they're, that's what they're interested they're in. Pro- they're producing the movies. And Sony Sony's just distributing yeah. it, so yeah. they're doing like three the three times the amount of work to make mm-hmm. it good. Sony takes it and says, "All right, now we'll pay for the advertising and marketing, right. which they do a shitty job of on those movies anyway." Yeah, it's terrible. The posters they, are bad. The marketing is bad. They oh, yeah. they always spoil them in in the last two Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. Spoil them in their trailers. That's why I haven't watched them. Yeah, <laughs> so no, Sony I, does. I haven't watched the trailers since announcing the movie. I want to see what the spoiler is. And then but... they get they get ninety five percent of it and of whatever the movie makes, mm-hmm. and then Disney gets five percent and merchandising. Mm-hmm. And so Disney came at them and said, okay, we want 50-50 with, the, with probably the assumption that Sony was going to be like, give them a counter offer. But instead, Sony went, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's very, it feels very manufactured that like all the Marvel-related celebrities are tweeting in support of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're allowed to be their own people and be in support, but like... It feels very much like a marketing tactic that all of a sudden every yeah Yeah. every single one that you 
with like everyone involved in a Marvel property. It's like, hey, we should save Spider Man. How about we do that? And it's like, and, or yeah. Disney could just pony up more money. But also, <laughs> Sony shouldn't be holding out because it's it's bad business for them to do so. The other problem that I can foresee is that Sony's coming at them with the success of Spider Verse and saying, uh-huh. "Look, we made." arguably the best spider-man movie and they also made the ps4 game which exactly. is considered amazing uh-huh. oh it's great i love yeah it. one of my favorite games so two great spider-man properties that are not live action movies and they can come and say them but from all accounts sony was very hands-off with the spider-verse movie mm-hmm. because it was animated so they kind of, they right. went to the um they went to Lord and Miller. Uh, Miller and the producing team for that movie and mm-hmm. went, go ahead, do whatever you want. It's an animated movie, so uh-huh. they didn't really care. And same right. with the video game, I'm sure. They didn't really have a yeah. Insomniac Games made yeah. that game. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't know that. They just, they bought Insomniac Games oh. recently, so. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, they, uh, then they have the success. I mean, this is what Sony does best, is they. <laughs> Hire the they, right people. <laughs> right. They obtain things that have been done well. Mm-hmm. And then they have one good thing, and then they fuck it up. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, if you've seen Spider-Man Three, that's a whole Sony issue. Yep. And then Amazing Spider-Man Two, another Sony issue of them trying yeah. to force an entire universe into a right. movie so they can yep. they can back outwards. We into talked an about that on yes. an earlier podcast of like their plans also for what they want. Yes. You were talking about how many movies they want to make yeah. out of this. Like, yes. Oh, their their plans for Spider-Verse right now are. are troublesome uh-huh. because they want to make like three live action tv shows mm-hmm. two separate movie franchises that they want to spin off of it it was like just give us like what focus your energy on yeah. one good thing and another at a time. good thing yes <laughs> we don't need them all coming at us that i mean the same problem happened with fucking with the marvel universe and st- of like phase phase two is a mess because yeah. it's trying to phase two the intro to phase three is a mess trying to set up avengers in the larger universe as a whole. Yeah. And then doesn't really come back together until phase three. It's like yeah. all winners. Well, and look at Star Wars. They ran into that problem with Star Wars. They were right. making so much that people were like, slow down. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were like, here's a movie. All right, there's going to be also a separate set of movies. And also here's an announcement of this director gets three movies. This director gets three movies mm-hmm. in a separate universe. And here's also TV shows. It's like, that's you got to focus on like, these companies are just all about building the franchise out. Uh-huh. And he's got a. It's really just a lesson in taking a step back and be like focusing on what works. Yeah, right. and you might have that stuff down the pipeline, but like don't go ahead and just be like this is happening, because mm-hmm. it all it does is soil your own rep- reputation for what you're doing with yeah. the brand. So we'll see. I'm sure we haven't heard the last of this. Oh, so, I mean, I'm sure this uh, D23 is this week, right? Yeah. So I'm sure that by the time that I mean I'm I'm sure Disney is pushing for this sony deal to be done by it so, so they, they can, can announce, announce something let's just hope by the time this episode comes out spider-man is back to marvel yeah. <laughs> let's hope i mean i mean if this if it truly did fall through far from home sets up spider-man to be without spoiling anything it sets him up to be like the center of the next phase of the universe i feel like or very yes. close, like he is in the him and like, the next round of Avengers are what's going to make the next set. Interest, yeah. Interesting thing that I've read mm-hmm. is that they, they Marvel was very strategic about the, how they ended Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Because in Endgame, mm-hmm. the snap happens. Yes. And then we flash forward five... And then we flash forward five years. Uh-huh. The, and then that's where Far From Home takes place. Sure. So Far From Home is five years in the future. 
if you look at all the things that they've announced up until the the phase after oh, this I didn't one, think about that. That's catches up with the timeline. Uh-huh. So the assumption is right now that like we won't have Spider Man in the MCU for this entire next phase. Right. And then at the and then in so, so we're going into phase four. Mm-hmm. So like phase right. five is when you're going to get the next Spider Man movie. Right. Blade. Well, it's like it is everything that they've announced so far that's coming out in the next two years is all either continuations of like. Or have happened... Right. They, they're yeah. things that are they're not dependent on the current timeline. Exactly. Or they're new... New properties. New properties. Yes. So it's like, uh, essentially, they're setting it up so that by the time Phase 5 happens, we will be caught up again, and the movies can take place in modern day once more. Because right now, where we are in the MCU, we're five years in the future. But also, Phase 5 might be 2023, which is not very far from now, because now they're making three movies a year. Right. So, but it could... it's. Thankfully, if yeah. they if they are doing something with Spider Man and all that stuff, it won't be too far in the future that we're getting like a a thirty year old Spider Man. <laughs> right. But so. time can elapse between what happened in Far From Home and what happens next. Which I mean, that's that's good. I didn't know that, or right. I hadn't thought about it. I suppose right. I knew the yeah. information, but so, I hadn't yeah. thought about the consequences. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Hopefully that's resolved. Uh, sure. Hope so. <laughs> Raymond, you didn't get too angry. I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> Raymond. What have you been watching this week? Well, I um, I think on the last episode, I'm not, I can't remember which episode, what, I think it is the last episode, yeah, the last episode we did, I started watching Glow, mm-hmm. and yep. I finished it this week, and it's very quick, 10 episodes a season, about 35 minutes an episode, so mm-hmm. I finished it by the time we, like the next day after we recorded last, um, season three, I really enjoyed it, it is an interesting season, and I can, I already see it being very divisive with, with fans, because it is, I think it's really good, but it does a lot of unconventional things. Where it is, so it's made by, Glow is made by the people who did the first handful of seasons of Orange is the New Black. And uh-huh. it, it's focused a lot of the same way, where like the first season is a lot of flashbacks and flash arounds to like each character's individual story of how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. And then they, they drop that later on because there's only so many characters and they're not, unlike Orange is the New Black, they're not really adding new ones to, right. uh, too often. It's a pretty standard cast, small cast, of these ensemble characters. But it's um, it's very much written in the same way, whereas Orange is the New Black is all these uh, women who are outcasts or, you know, whatever has happened to them in society, they are in this one place and it's prison and it's more about them. And Glow is very much, it's about... 80s professional wrestling and all of that but it's also more about these women who are like outcasts in society all coming together and their interpersonal relationships so season three starts with them being in this like the the first season is them doing a wrestling like a live performance of a show like week to week and season two is them doing like a local channel like tv show and then season three happens, and it's them doing a Las Vegas performance cool. of their act, mm-hmm. which means that they only they only do one show. They do that mm-hmm. show five days a week. The setup <laughs> for the the setup for season three is they're doing the same performance five days a week for three months, and so because of that, you don't really see a whole lot of <laughs> you don't really see a whole lot of wrestling because there isn't a whole lot to show because yeah. it's. They're only doing one thing. So you really only see 
wrestling in the show three or four times. And I see that being very divisive for audiences because previous seasons is them... A lot more wrestling. Like, it's, it's about them have I mean, it's about the characters, but it's also about how they need to, like, advance their characters in the show, how they... Like, the show is rising in popularity. But in this, the show is on autopilot. They are doing nothing other than doing the same routine every day. Right. So it's yeah. more about them having what it means to be a performer and be creative and what you do when the outlet that you had means you now you have to do something else and you are now living in a casino and <laughs> you need to find something else to do. So it's like some peop- some of the characters are like become addicted to gambling because they live in a casino right. and some <laughs> are going out every night and partying and some take up acting classes and it's. I think it's very interesting. It's very much focused on the characters. Um, I think everyone's great. There is, I will say, there is one episode I love, but it's a very bad episode if you want someone to see it for the first time. I've been trying to get my girlfriend to watch Glow because I think she'll love it, but she hasn't seen any of it. It doesn't really appeal to her on mm-hmm. the premise alone. Uh-huh. And she happened to sit down, and the one episode she saw is halfway through season three, and it's an episode where... There's a character who is a middle-aged lady, and she's got increasing back problems because she's, like, a very physical... Her character is very physical. Right. So she's got to, like, pick up and throw people and all sorts of stuff, and doing the same performance night after night after night, she can't keep up when her back blows out. And so they they do a workaround where they give her a different character to perform for the night where she doesn't have to be very physical, and she Uh gets to switch characters with someone. And that leads all the other girls to be like, oh, I want to be this person. I want to be this person. So it's a very fan service episode where all of a sudden they're doing the performance and it's a surprise to the audience and yourself is who's going to come out and play the different wrestling per- personas. That's funny. So <laughs> my girlfriend sat down and watched that with me and she thought it was very stupid. <laughs> yeah. Because it is very stupid, but it's, very, it's a very fun fan service moment of these people who you've seen characters playing different personas for Mm -hmm. two and a half seasons are now like making fun of and playing other characters that are in the show right and so it's like betty gilpin's character is her wrestling character is called liberty bell and she's like a midwest pro america 80s (laughs) like housewife who becomes like a superstar and uh, Allison Bree's character is like a very over-the-top, stereotypical USSR Russian character. Oh and so for the episode, they switch characters. So Allison Bree is the Midwest girl, and <laughs> Betty Gilpin's doing the over-top, over-the-top Russian accent, and they're all ad-libbing at each other. That's <laughs> funny. It's very satisfying to watch. It has a great ending that's really serious, and stuff that happens in the episode is, like, it has repercussions for what happens later in the season. Okay. But... Very bad if you want to start out watching the season, I'll say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, if you like the previous two seasons, I think it's great. If you haven't watched it, I really recommend watching it. It's a very quick watch. Um, and that is mostly it, because the other thing I watched is what we're going to do uh, the podcast on today. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll say that in relation to the other thing we watched that we're going to record on, I started watching season two of Atlanta, Robin season, oh. because I hadn't watched it yet. It's it. so I good. I haven't watched it yes. yet either. I am I own halfway it, I through, it. Yeah. and I had forgotten, it's been so long since I watched season one, that I forgot that Lakeith Stanfield is in it, mm-hmm. and it's uh-huh. another very surreal show, yeah. and 
boy, it's there's a lot. It's just like season one. I have a lot of feelings about like each episode. Have really you, is a roller coaster. Have you watched the episode with the character Teddy Perkins? Teddy Perkins. No, I haven't gotten there yet. I know all about it. The Teddy Perkins no. episode. I do know about Teddy Perkins. Too. Maybe <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> I think that's next or coming up next, like very soon mm. in the season. How many episodes are on this season? Do you know? Like eight or nine. Oh, I, I was gonna say I'm in four. I finished yeah. four episodes, so I'm in, I'm about yeah. halfway through. Uh, I will say that. I loved the first season of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, and I think I loved the second season exponentially more. Wow. I mean, I love it so far, but it's just it's it, crazy. It ends in such a way. Mm-hmm. That's that what is, season one felt like to me. It was like, yeah. season one's really good, but then the last episode, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yes. And they already like got signed off for three and four. Yeah, but yeah. who knows when they're coming. He right. said they're, they're going to film them. I think I read he said they're going to film them all, all at the same time uh-huh. pretty soon. Yeah, that's why I mm-hmm. heard, too, that he's going to sure, do them he's going to like, yeah. do them all at one time. Uh-huh. He's and a busy boy. He, yeah. he, also, he also has a has a little guy. He has a, he has oh, a right. son. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's a very busy man. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. blowing up at the moment, so. I thought, I, I had, I'd seen it before, but I had forgotten that he has, like, the same director for everything. Hero, um... Mariah, yes. Uh, he does who, all of Atlanta. He does his music videos. He did Guava Island. He has his <laughs> he has his own show coming out this oh. that he's show running, and has directed all the episodes. Because it's he, he has a he has a beautiful mo- direction. He has a movie that he's directed, I believe. Jesus. He's also directed the best episodes of the show Barry. Man, I need to see that too. Oh, that's one of the things I'm going to talk about. I watched nice. I watched all of it. You've watched all of Barry. I watched all. Okay. Of Barry. <laughs> Do you have any more? more I, haven't seen, I haven't seen season one of Barry, so I'll be interested to see. We can, but, but no, I haven't. Uh, that's that's pretty much everything I've been watching. We can move into that because Barry's also on my list of things I've nice. been watching this week. I have yeah. not finished season two. I've watched. All I know it. it's incredible. I don't have an HBO subscription, uh, so the best I way I can des- the best way I can describe it, it is it is a funnier version of Breaking Bad. Like nice. uh, it's the, very similar to Breaking Bad, yeah. Like the way like that the, it, the th- like how thematically. it is, yeah, thematically, mm-hmm. and right, the yeah. way the story is told and revealed to the audience. I've multiple times I've been like, this feels like an episode of Breaking Bad, yes. but mm-hmm. like laugh out loud funny. So how mm-hmm. far are you into season two? I've just watched the episode that's one big long fight scene. The Ronnie Lily. The episode? Ronnie Lily. I watched episode. that last night because I I just finished it last night. Yeah, um, it is the best episode. It's like the, yeah. the fly uh-huh. episode of Breaking oh. Bad, where it's its Which own is thing. Johnson. <laughs> it's <laughs> its own thing, but it, uh-huh. it's not like it is connected. But it's sure. It's, 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 a, it's, it's just a bottle. A, it's, a, yes. Yes. it's a bottle episode that it takes place in multiple locations, but you're just following Bill Hader through. Sure, one mm-hmm. thing. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's so good. It's a good. It's. It I is, mean, the whole show is amazing. I've every, heard nothing but good things. They're, I've heard it's incredible. They're 35 minute episodes and every mm-hmm. episode ends in a cliffhanger and you're like, I gotta watch the next mm-hmm. one and you just gotta keep going through and everyone's so good. Part of the part of the reason that it feels so much like a Breaking Bad um, and I I watched a thing with the writers of the show and Bill Hader was talking and they Breaking Bad did this too. They have an overall a very light arc of what they know, oh. they, where they want the characters uh-huh. to end up at the end of the right. season. Uh-huh. And then they tackle every episode by saying, how can we write ourselves into a hole that we can't write ourselves mm-hmm. out of? And then the next episode, they tackle that. Right, because so like, that's how Vince Gilligan did Breaking Bad. It's very much yes. so. They just had like, here's what we need to go. But then each episode's kind of like a blank canvas and they write themselves in the corner each, all the time where they have to figure out how they get out of it. Each episode, they're like, how can we take these themes to the mm-hmm. full extreme and write it so they can't possibly get out of this mm-hmm. insane situation and then then they write them because i mean that's an inc- that's a crazy and incredible way to try and tell a story because mm-hmm. 
if you write it and you put it out there, then it's like, well, we have to do another one. So you have to <laughs> use your best. There's yeah. no getting out of it. You have to use your, it's your on, best ideas. It's on HBO, so it has mm-hmm. a little, like, talking with the writers at sure. the end yes. of every episode. I've been watching those. And a lot of them are, like, they're sitting in the writer's room and they're like... All right. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know if that'll pick up. But um, right. they're sitting in the writers' room and they're like, "Wouldn't it be crazy if this happened?" And they're like, uh-huh. "Let's do it." Yeah. <laughs> like that's so many times in the episodes. They like when they're talking about the episodes. That's how they talked about it. They're like, "Let's just do it and see how it goes." And it's it's <laughs> the, my favorite, absolute favorite character is Hank. Hank is the best. I've character. heard that. Too. Oh, no, ho Hank. Yeah, no, ho Hank. He's the best yes. character, and he's up for an Emmy. And I feel like uh-huh. he should win. I mean, Bill Hader should win too, but he is Henry Winkler won for the first season, right? And and Henry Winkler is one of my favorite characters in the show. But no, ho Hank is my absolute favorite. I watched one part with Hank where I watched the scene and I paused it because I knew Kenzie would be home soon. I was like, she didn't even know what's happening in the show, uh-huh. but she has to see this part. It's when he the guy gets shot, and, <laughs> and Barry comes up and he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like shoot me and then, then he does it and he's like oh, oh okay you didn't shoot me and then he throws up yeah <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny he's so funny he's yeah. so good is he is he actually because he plays a chechen but is he is he doing an accent or is he because i've never watched I, him like the, outside he's of doing an accent yeah okay, all right. um but he he's really um he has the disease that makes him alopecia. fall. Yeah, he actually has alopecia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He played uh, Zaz in Gotham. Yes, oh, that's really? what I was going to say. I'd seen his face oh, before. Yeah. I was like, how cool. do I know that? Yeah, he's great. He's, he's great in it. so good. And the, the the main girl in it, Sally, you like... Hate her so much. Hate her so much, but you... But she's You want to like her because Barry does, but you hate her because she is so selfish. The, <laughs> and the actress who plays her is really, really good. Yes. And And one thing about this show that I am constantly impressed by is somebody who has been in acting classes mm-hmm. and in theater, how real all of these situations sure. are and how real all of these people are. And this is how these people act. And it's uh-huh. so every, every scene it's I'm like, from true life. I'm yeah. like, holy yeah. shit, this is the realest thing. <laughs> this Jan- is so real. Janet from the good place is in it. And she's so, oh, funny. so funny. She's, she's trying so hard to be liked by everyone. And it's so mm-hmm. good. Oh, it's oh yeah, it's a great show. And Henry Winkler, he's he's great. Yeah, he's no Barry. <laughs> I'm I uh, can't recommend Barry enough. It yeah, was, I really liked it. Then there, when any idea when season three even comes out? Uh, well, season two just ended, Did so okay. probably next probably next year. Okay. The first season of Barry was last year, so I'm assuming they're on like a year. Yeah, your schedule. Oh, was, yeah. Not every other year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Um, the first reviews for it, chapter two, are out, and apparently Bill Hader like steals. That's the all show. I, I yeah. all I did was I read a bunch of tweets about what people thought, and every other tweet was Bill Hader steals it. So I'm yeah. excited mm-hmm. for that because that'll be good. So uh, yeah, and Bill Hader actually he directed the um, that episode the um, yes the the standalone episode. Mm-hmm. He that's directed what he talked that about at the end of that. He was like I I did it. He directed it. He's like the main person in the whole thing. I mean the main person sure. in the whole show, but he was like he was so stressed because there was so much he had to do for it. Yeah. No, Barry is incredible. <laughs> yes. All right. What else have you been watching? Oh, so much. I have a list to make sure oh, that all I right. covered Let's... everything. <laughs> I didn't. It isn't a whole a whole lot. But the first thing I watched because when you guys left, I was when we finished the podcast uh-huh. last week, I was like, what should I watch? <laughs> uh-huh. um, I ended up I hadn't finished season three of Rick and Morty. Ah, wow. So I, oh. I rewatched season three. Because uh, I, wow. I, 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 it turned out I watched all but two episodes, sure. but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't remember it. So uh-huh. I, I know I watched the first two a ton when they first oh came out. God. 
I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for season no. three talk. <laughs> I yeah, it, I I know because when the first two episodes came out, I watched those over and over, and then mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I knew I I, I turned right. out I watched like mm-hmm. all fi- five of I watched five of them, but I just ended up rewatching all of them. That Atlantis episode. Oh, they go to Atlantis, yeah. but that's not what the episode is about at all. Tale, uh, tales from the um, oh, it's it's like stories from the uh, whatever it's called, the main the main center that they're at. Yeah, or whatever. where where there's it's all Ricks and Mortys. Yes, and so there's they tell the best episode. They tell like six fully complicated stories about like race relations, mm-hmm. politics. Like in society 22 in twenty two minutes, yes. each one has like a full. Each one of the stories in that in that episode could be fleshed out into a full right. on movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. God, I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah, I mean, Morty's <laughs> being Morty's, <laughs> and I don't. I mean, it's it was really good, but I watched it in like a day because they're like right. five minute episodes, and I oh my just god, blew through them. But that, um, I watched that. Yeah, I remember the end of season three having a whole lot of episodes that are really funny, but like so heavy oh, yes. that it was yes. like, oh, I can't just watch this like intergalactic cable. <laughs> God, the, the one part where they have the crazy like month long mission and then they get in there in yeah. the spaceship and they have like a breakdown because they like thought they were going to die. <laughs> so they have to go like detox and that's where they're like evil yeah, detox evil versions come of them out. come out. Mm-hmm. Or how the season ends and it's like left up to the audience to figure out if Beth left her entire family and replaced herself with a clone. Right, right. and you don't know. <laughs> and, like, and you pro- we probably won't. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like, we probably won't ever find <laughs> so, out. As soon as it was like, he he puts out the idea of the clone thing, I'm like, oh, later they're going to figure... But literally, like, five minutes later in the episode, she's like, am I a clone? And then it's that from, like, the rest of the, uh-huh. the season of trying to figure out if she's a clone The entire episode w- with Beth's childhood friend that oh, she thought she thought uh-huh. had been raped and murdered by his stepdad or something like that. Played by uh, Middleditch. Oh, it is. Thomas yeah. Middleditch. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it turns out that she just got lo- he just got lost in another dimension and... Rick... She, she left him there? <laughs> yeah. She it's pushed like him into like recreated. a... Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So, because he, he didn't want to have to watch her, but uh-huh. made it super safe for a place for her to be, mm-hmm. so that he leaves her there, and then she brings her friend, and then she gets selfish of him, <laughs> or like get, gets jealous of her or whatever, and like leaves him there. Yeah. And then he makes... Oh, yeah. Like... Has sex with the creatures to make it, uh, creatures to eat to live. <laughs> they eat the babies Jesus of the Christ. creatures that he. Oh, it's. I say it's such a shame that the popular culture has turned Rick and Morty into what it is in right. the public conscious because of yeah. fucking yeah. pickle Rick, which oh, is yeah. not the point of that episode. And that's the whole idea of that episode is that that's stupid. Yes. And fucking Szechuan sauce, yes. you know, is because, like, the, the rallying call of idiots. Uh-huh. Because the show, yeah. it's not like it's incredibly deep, but it has so many fun and interesting and also very thought-provoking things to say that has been reduced to, I'm Pickle Rick. Right. I, and it feels like if you're like, oh, I watch Rick and Morty now, it's like, oh, you're one yeah, of I those, tried to those show people that watches Rick and Morty. She in the yeah. first season of, like, all these dumb jokes. Like, no, but it's like, there's so many, she's like, yeah, it's not for me. The, like, the okay. fandom <laughs> is so toxic and it's like, turned it into like a douchier uh-huh. version of itself. Yeah. Because that show is like probably one of the smartest written television yes. shows. Period. It's like like yes. I was saying, the fucking Pickle Rick episode is it makes fun of that. The joke like, is that that's stupid yeah. and that Rick and he's is trying to get out of therapy. Out of family therapy. 
Yes. And that's when he finally ends up going to therapy. It is like the most depressing real shit that you could ever yes. like, uh-huh. write. And the whole thing is that he's like, oh, it wouldn't it be stupid if this became like a catchphrase? Like mm-hmm. the society was so dumb that they would turn this into a catchphrase. Uh-huh. And then that's exactly what happened. Yes. But then also that episode has Jaguar, which Jaguar is great. Jaguar <laughs> like, is great. It's all funny. That's all very funny. But then it's like a very real yes. and serious. Uh-huh. They're not dealing with their own issues yeah. episode that's in the end of you know it's at the end of in therapy it's a shame that the fandom what it does in that show like i'm still going to continue watching but, but it, i'm definitely like not as like outward. you know they'll probably somehow make a reference to well, it and it also sucks season. that it takes them so i mean i get it but it sucks that it takes them so long to make because they are signed on for like i can't remember how many episodes but it's enough to make like syndication it's like another five or six seasons or something they like said that. they've got an order for another 100 episodes yes. of the show and i have read that they uh adult swim kind of got on their ass mm-hmm. about taking so long mm-hmm. and so not only is season four finished they already have written most of sure. season five so that they can get like, a head start on it it's, yeah. they're so well we don't get a break anymore it's, it's so well written and and done that it deserves to have that much time, but also be, it, because it's been gone so long, the the toxic fandom shit it gets just build up, and everyone gets to eye roll and go, "Oh, Rick and Morty!" Because the fandom's like, "Oh no, you don't understand Rick and Morty. It's so deep, and you really have to be a real fan to understand." It's like, no, no, you it's don't. just a really good, well written yeah. sci fi show. And the nice the, the thing I liked about this season, it, it each family member almost had their own episode right there was an episode for beth there was an episode for the dad jerry jesus yeah. i forgot about the jerry episode. <laughs> the jerry yeah. episode where they'd like go into that place where you can't be killed uh-huh. and oh, then the other jerry episode where he has like a bounty hunter girlfriend yes that one too, <laughs> that yeah. one too. yes he has a bounty hunter girlfriend and then there's the um summer episode with which is mad max. yeah mad max yeah <laughs> oh no, the thing they did this season that was like a replacement for the intergalactic cable that was Morty's mind benders. Oh, yes. Where, where it was all the memories that Rick has taken out of Morty's brain. Yes. Which is incredibly disturbing. It's incredibly... The the one where he like convinces a... He convinces an alien that he shouldn't commit suicide because mm-hmm. nobody's questioned that it doesn't give you like an all-body orgasm yeah. and you go right to heaven. <laughs> It's so fucked up. And then he dies and he's like, oh no, and he goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, and then they both wipe their memories and uh, Summer yeah. walks in and is like, oh my god. When Summer comes in, she's like, I I was told if this happens that I have to give you, and she gives them the, yeah. the, the right serum to like wipe their memories. Jesus. <laughs> right. So yeah, I watched that. <laughs> then, yeah, I, then I watched uh, Barry mm-hmm. um, and then finally watched Captain Marvel. Oh, so I hadn't seen Captain Marvel, Good. so we watched that. Um, I really liked it. Does the ending of uh, Spider-Man make more sense to you now? I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't really... You were right that it doesn't really it doesn't focus really. on that right. at all. It but, explains I mean, it, what it those characters are. It doesn't yes. explain what they're doing. I think right. what basically what the end of Far From Home was saying is that Nick Fury was testing out if this guy could fill in for him sometimes, but not all the time. So right. is it Mendelssohn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really him. Okay, cool. Because I didn't, I didn't even realize that Mendelssohn was in Captain Marvel until I started watching right. it. And then I was like, oh, it's probably Mendelssohn in the car. But I didn't make that connection when I watched Far From Home. He is so. my favorite part of Captain Marvel. He's great. He's my favorite he, I had did not see that twist. I mean, I mean, I don't know much of a twist. But I didn't really... I should have seen it coming because I knew that um, Ronan's bad and he's a right. Kree. The but I did face of them being the good guys. Yeah, scrolls yeah. are actually good and the Kree are bad. I was like, I don't know why I didn't make that connection sooner because 
Ronan's bad, and Ronan's in is like teamed yeah. up with Jude Law. So right. I was like, I, I, I should have saw it come, but I really like that mm. switch. That they're like, oh, we're not. It, it confused me a little bit because I wasn't deep enough into that part of the Marvel lore to really understand what that like the relationship between the characters. But as uh-huh. soon as I saw Ronan come in, he's he's helping Jude Law's character. Right. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, there's something. See, I just thought Jude Law was bad, right. but I didn't think that like every mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, and I don't get people's complaints about it being so like feminine oh people girl, are, girl power I didn't, pe- people I didn't, are shit so that's the problem i didn't see there's that only as much one in the thing movie. and i talked about this after i saw the movie is there's really only one sequence where i think that's to its own detriment and i wonder if you agree is that i'm just a girl yes. oh yeah i, hate, I, I didn't was like, like that sequence i was i was like kenzie tried to argue she's like that's what they're they're it's purposely trying to do that i was like but it doesn't fit with a fight scene it also like yeah, it doesn't fit with the fight scene, and I honestly think if it were any other song other than I'm Just a Girl, I would have enjoyed it Pick more. Another, like, but I already don't like that song, right. and so <laughs> it I didn't do anything. I don't do hate any. the song, but it's also very eye-rolly. That's the final fight scene of the movie. And it's kind of a... And also, she wears a Nine Snails shirt through the movie, and they never play Nine Snails. They never Nine play Nine Snails. <laughs> they play Nirvana, and then they play Courtney Love. Which, yes. <laughs> which, a lot of Nine Snails songs have too much adult content for a Marvel movie, right, but... Yes. You could have fit it in somewhere, I feel like. They could play closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what's wrong? Nick Fury wants to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> What'd you think of the uh, Sam Jackson mocap that he did? I I thought his was really good. It's I didn't, incredible. I didn't think Coulson's was very good. No. No, and I think that uh, the Samuel Jackson is great. 99.9% of the time, and, th- and then when he has to run, it's like, oh, that's 60 year old Samuel uh, Jackson I didn't running. Even that's that, exactly. But. I saw someone comment about that before I saw the movie, and as soon as he runs, I was like, oh, there, there he is. He's, I, you can't change that without right, you can't changing change, the entire. Just make it all CGI, yeah. <laughs> like the Will Smith movie that's coming mm-hmm. out. Um, you made a person <laughs> out of another person. Looper two. <laughs> Looper two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the thing I did not like is I was expecting because I knew the cat was going to get his eye mm. but I thought it was going to be more of a thing than like they're not mad at each other at all but then it just decides to claw it's his a, eye it's just an alien creature I was like well, I know cat, cats will just do what they want I thought want, it was very but... funny then the, the end the mid credits sequence of or the end credits of him throw, the throwing alien up throwing the, up the yeah. Like, no oh, he throws up the oh, tesseract not, right, right, the tesseract right. yeah, yeah. But, yes, it looks exactly like my cat, Morty. Yes. Goose <laughs> Goose, and Morty are, like, identical. So when all the Goose merch came out, we were like, this is just merch of my cat. <laughs> just merch of my cat. Yeah, I what kind of an alien was it? I want to say Gizorpazorp. He's a flurkin. Oh, I was going to say yeah. Gizorpazorp, but that's back to Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Saying goodbye to my fiancé 42 minutes into the episode. Bye. Bye, Emily. <laughs> That's true. Have fun. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) See you later. Bye. Bye. See ya. (laughs) All right. Okay. Uh, So I was glad I finally watched it. I Um, I still, I I was fine just seeing Endgame without seeing that movie. I mean, it didn't do a whole lot, but I I, I, I liked liked it. it. And then I understood a lot of complaints that happened when she started getting teased into Endgame because they released, you know, its first... Captain Marvel was first to get you into the idea of who she is mm. and how she fits into Endgame, but then also... The problem was they filmed Endgame first. Right. And they... Yeah. And they didn't give her a script. And right. she hadn't read the script to Captain Marvel. So she... It's like Captain Marvel doesn't give her a lot to do either because she has to do so much exposition into who... Yeah. 
what she's doing, what planet she's on, what the mission is, how she gets right. there. It, it, the only it backstory that you really get of right. her is her memory memory dreams, right? Or which it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot of service to like she really it doesn't really give Captain Marvel the character a lot to go on for a personality, mm-hmm. but she develops it through the movie. I think towards the end of the mm-hmm. movie, she starts having her own personality. And then I don't think she does anything. I mean, she's just ex machina in Endgame. Right. Yeah. I feel like she's wasted in well, Endgame. Allegedly, she was only given her lines yes. for Endgame. Well, yeah, really, she... the only stuff she does is only stuff that happens on the green screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they said other than one sequence, she said she mm-hmm. was like she didn't even know she had the part yet, and they were like, "Let's do some test stuff on a oh, green man. screen," and that's what they used in the movie. Is she like she didn't? <sighs> the only scenes that she's in the movie with other people was like it's half the one a, tower scene. It was like right? half a day of shooting or yes. something like that, and that was the first thing that she ever shot. Yes. So yeah. like she hadn't been through Captain Marvel. <laughs> she hadn't read the script right, for I'd Captain s- Marvel or uh, anything like that. They hadn't finished it. I don't think. At yeah, because I think believe they started filming it without a finished script, and that's that's the problem is they the way that Marvel is making the movies they have to bam 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 get them out. Right. They filmed Endgame right. and Infinity War back to back, so it's like they had they needed that character. They knew it was coming, but they hadn't finished the actual fucking movie that has the character in it because mm-hmm. they have to film Endgame with Infinity War to get that all done. But what is like, she? I, I I thought that it was figured out what she was doing in Endgame when she leaves in Captain Marvel. What, didn't she have to, like, go and it's fix such something? A, it's such a garbage thing. Like, it's like, I, it's was trying, I was like, where does she go? Other worlds. Yeah, that's all it she's is. Been around, she's so, saving other I thought that Captain Marvel was going to explain it more, where she had to go, and it kind of did. I know she had to do something at the end of the movie um, of going to help, I think, the, the, the scrolls. Yeah, she's yeah. going to go help them find a new place to live. Right, yeah. yeah. Which is a fine way to end that, and uh-huh. it sets it up for a sequel of her going around, but then Endgame... Sets her up to just be like, hey, why are you calling me? I'm busy. Which is like just a way to get her out of like... I'll save Tony Stark, but then I gotta go by. (laughs) Which I I like her involvement in Endgame, but it feels like such a cop-out. Yeah. Yeah. She... I mean, we didn't do an episode on Captain Marvel because we weren't running when it is... When when it came out. But Mm -hmm. it's... uh, Her character is much like Superman in the way that she has godlike power. And so you yeah. have to be very careful in how you introduce her because she can solve every problem. Mm-hmm. So I I was frustrated with the way that she, they treated her in Endgame. I ultimately enjoyed it, but it's it's very frustrating because it's it's understandable but frustrating that you have to get rid of her because she can solve every problem you have. Right. right. So, so you have to get to rid of leave. her. <laughs> to do, yeah, you have to get to, for there to be real conflict for more than twenty minutes. You have to get rid of her uh-huh. because yeah. she is Superman. She is a, she's godlike power. She can kill Thanos. You know, so it's like, yeah. All right, well, we have to dispose of her for an hour before she can come back. I feel like it would have been better if she shows just shows up at the end. Like I feel like that's more impactful that you she had gets to have a way for for them to get out of space. So she solves right. that. Yes, problem. yes. But I feel like they should have figured out a different way to yes. get out of space. And then she just show, gets that pager and shows up just in time at the end or something like that. I was yeah. so disappointed yeah. that the way that that pager scene from. From Infinity War teaser is not in Endgame because like that's already happened. Yeah, yeah. I wish that had been included because I didn't care that I already seen it. But it was like I wish that had been one long sequence instead. Because at first I thought it was sequence. just the scene from Endgame, but yeah. then I was like, oh, it's its own scene. It's not even then uh-huh. in Endgame. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wanted another scene of her how in did, Endgame. Yeah, how did they get the pager? Because at the end of Infinity War, it's on the ground. It's on the yeah. ground in the middle of the building. They never explained how. The Avengers find it. It's on the, right. He's outside. He's in a. It's 
Well, like, yeah, I guess but I just went when... to his car and then it was sitting there. I guess. Maybe, but sure, but how did they know where they were? Yeah, you know, I yeah, know that. yes. I know. <laughs> and then they yeah. kept it going. And then, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Captain anyway. Marvel made me very excited. I love Kelly Sue, the writer of the mm-hmm. this iteration, and she does have a quick cameo in the movie, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm excited for what they do with the character, but who knows what they're doing with the character? Yeah. You know? They've announced a sequel, but nothing else other than right. What is it set? Is it just going to be off world shit of what she was yeah. going elsewhere? No, or is Guardian, she be Guardians of the Galaxy type yeah. of <laughs> space adventures. All right, next on your list. Oh, I, as we were talking, I realized I, I watched Shazam. Um, oh, I nice. Because re- you guys were talking. Yeah. We do, we've already had a big discussion about it, so we don't have to talk yeah. about it a whole lot. But I did watch it, and I, I really liked it. Um, it wasn't as... I thought it was going to be more comedic, so it was, didn't have as much It has a weird comedy. tonal shift where mm-hmm. it's like it becomes very comedic with yes. Zachary Levi. And I did like the family ending, that I, but it yeah. was a very family movie overall, right. so I mean, it kind of fit with that. So I thought it was cool that they all got... Their powers and stuff, so I thought mm-hmm. that was a cool thing. Yeah, I, I, had, I had no idea that that was a thing that, that could happen in Shazam lore. So yeah, I was uh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was, what well, we kind of alluded to when we were talking about it before is like, how do you write that? And like, if he becomes part of the yeah, larger so DC universe, that's, how that's do you exactly write that? what I thought. I was like, is there going to be now a sequel with the Shazam family? Yeah. Shazam. Like, how do you, like, you can <laughs> do that in their own. <laughs> movie but i don't see how you work that into but, dc right. universe as a like, whole oh you just pull yeah. a captain marvel and say they're oh they're off doing other things <laughs> and then yeah. he's the only one there yeah. <laughs> but i did my favorite part is um i'm not my favorite part of the movie but i really like the superman at the end that was so yeah. funny yeah <laughs> his reaction reference. was so good <laughs> henry cavill apparently up until like the day they filmed it was like in negotiations for him actually to be there mm. And then DC pulled the plug. He's not Superman anymore. Oh, so. I was gonna say it is his suit, but I mm-hmm. mean, like they don't yeah. show his face. It for literally a looks like him for yeah. a reason. But I was like, oh, I, I just love. I that. thought it was thought very was, funny. Yeah, I thought it was really, a really good ending because he just like does a little squeak and <laughs> the movie ends. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. I love Zachary Levi. I, I mean, yes. we've all watched Chuck. It was like we follow him for. I haven't. Oh, you mm-hmm. haven't. Oh, no. oh Chuck. So I know. Good. Andy. Well, Chuck and, starts good. Andy told me all about Chuck. Andy <laughs> Chuck was, ends Andy in the nightmare Chuck, world. So. Oh, we have another season? Okay. Oh, we have another season? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's I don't think I ever watched the last season. It's a good wrap up. But it doesn't uh, it doesn't fit with the rest <laughs> of the show. We'll say that. But I've I've loved him forever. He's in the second season of Marvelous Miss Maisel on oh, Amazon he? Prime. Yeah. And oh. he's great in that like he's just a very charming, likable guy and I want to see him do more stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. great. So I'm, I, it was great Flynn, that he finally got it. Flynn Rider. Yeah. Flynn Rider. God, that's like the one thing I haven't seen. <laughs> he's great in it. It's literally yeah. just Zachary yeah. Levi, just yeah. animated. Um, then, oh no, I gotta look. The, did you read something? I did, but I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the last thing, the last movie I watched um, was is a documentary called Most Likely to Succeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read it for uh, this my school staff. We wanted to watch it to just get our ideas rolling for what we're going to plan for the year. But it's just sure. about how we need to change education to not be a factory setting anymore. Cause it's oh, yeah. the education hasn't changed for like 125 years. It's always mm-hmm. been the same and it's time to change, change that. And that's kind of my school's a project based mm-hmm. instead of being a normal school. So it was just about a, like the perfect school of that. It's high tech high. I think it's mm-hmm. in California and they are able to do whatever they want and have all the money to do what they want to do. So it was really cool to get ideas from how to do school to make kids excited about learning instead of have to do learning. Cool. So it's a really, it's, I mean, I think it, 
I don't know if it's won awards, but it is a very highly praised documentary. And it's... Have you seen the documentary uh, Waiting for Superman? No, but that was recommended to me after right. I watched is, that one. It's the, it yeah. is about also school education and, mm-hmm. and the fights that educators in general have to deal with, like what gets put in curriculum and yeah. how tests are ruining, right. the way tests are handled ruins the way schools are being run and, and stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. that. It's a very depressing but educational movie about education. Yeah, so this one wasn't as depressing. It was more sure. of a what we can do and what we can change. So it was a really sure. good one. I really like that. Um, and then the two books I read, the first book, uh, Alex Cross, I finished sure. the, um, Along Came a Spider. That nice. was cool. I like, I really like mystery detective stories cause I, I also have read those. Nice. Or, I have a lot that you can borrow from. Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I would love to yeah. try those. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've read, I really like the J.K. Rowling did the, the Cormoran Strike under a fake name. Oh, right. The, oh, those yeah. detective oh, so stories. you've read those? I never read yes, those, but I, 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 I haven't read the newest one, mm-hmm. um, but I did read those, and they're, again, they're detective stories. Mm-hmm. The thing that is a little bit harder for me is they're very British, so a lot of the sure. things they're talking about, I'm like, I don't know what that is, really, uh-huh. but it is, it's still, I really just like detective stories trying to figure out how it was done or who done it, and I nice. never I never figured it out until the end, and then it's like, oh, cool. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a really good book, and I'm going to read the next one of that, and maybe I'll we'll watch the movie. I don't know if that movie's any good. It's Morgan Freeman. He, Along apparently, Came a Spider? Along Came a Spider, yeah. I remember seeing that movie. Okay. Because the, the second book of Alex Cross is mm-hmm. Kiss the Girls, but apparently they did it reverse order. They yeah, that, that, they do. For, for, so Morgan Freeman does Kiss the Girls first, and then they do a prequel oh. of Along Came a Spider. So it's still yeah. the same... Timeline sure. according to the books, but they made the movies in separate. Oh, interesting. So I, so I don't know if they're any good or not, but maybe the, we'll check those out. Yeah, um, interesting. But that that is all that I've done in the past wow. past week. That Busy we, boy. Yeah. I've, I've been trying. I mean, I go back to school uh, on the fourth, so I'm trying oh, to like. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, it's coming up. I gotta try to watch as much as I wanted to watch over the summer. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I have uh, shorter things to talk yes, about. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Because we already talked about Barry. That's kind of the yes, show that great, I had been watching. Great. You'll have to tell me when you finish it. Um, I went to the theater and I saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I saw oh, the and I'm so excited. That on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks. I like that it is a horror movie that is it definitely aimed towards like a uh, young adult. Because it's PG-13. It's right? PG-13. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely aimed towards like a 13, 14-year-old. While still being scary, While right? still being really scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one sequence in the movie with, I don't, did, did you guys read the books? Yes. A long time ago, when I was a kid. So the, kid, the yeah. story called The Dream with the big, like, pale, like, blob lady monster. Right, right, Just right. from the trailer, I'm like, uh, no thank you. It is so <laughs> scary, and so, like, a perfect recreation of, like, having a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Because it starts out, basically it's like, the book is, each kid is having their story written in the book and the other kids are like they they see it happening in the book and they're uh-huh. trying to get to the kid in time right. before it happens but it basically kind of, the scene starts out and is playing out and then in that scene you discover that he's in a dream mm. and then it, then it's like a full-on like oh my god this is what dreams are really like so it's that hallway with the pale lady mm. and every time he turns a corner she's a little bit closer Ugh. and yeah. she makes a sound similar to no face from from yeah, <laughs> I hate that. it is terrifying. Uh, uh, kind of like uh, that. Uh, it is so scary, and that's what I really appreciated about the movie. I think that it's the first forty minutes or so are very clunky, and it's kind of a rough setup. And some of and some of the uh, like storytelling and dialogue is very on the nose. Is anyone in it, or is it all new people? It's. I don't think there's anybody famous in it. 
anybody super famous. Yeah. No. Cool. Um, but Guillermo. I think it no, ends in a really <laughs> satisfying place. And once the monsters and scary stories mm-hmm. start happening, that's when the movie really ramps up. So I liked that it was a you could show this to a teenager to a like a tween teenager sure. and it might instead of like scarring them it might intrigue them to go watch more horror movies sure cuz cool. i know that i didn't get into horror movies until i was older cuz i mm-hmm. was a scaredy cat child yes does it set it up to have a sequel it sure does ah, cuz okay. there's three books yes it sure does i don't think I think it's very clunky in the way it sets up a sequel, but it sure ends sure. with a tag to be so like. It ah, sounds. Yeah. Looking from the trailers, it sounds like it's the Goosebumps movie, but better. Yeah, it's very <laughs> similar in the setup of like we have all well, these you need stories. Wrap around to get around to how the stories are going to happen. Exactly, right. yeah. and I think that yes, I do think that this movie is more successful than Goosebumps, even though Goosebumps has Jack Black. Yes, I never but, saw those. There's two of them, right? I, I never saw the second one because the second one I don't even think went to theaters. No, it did. It did. It just, it just did very poorly. But I honestly, I've read so many goosebumps. I've seen books, the, but I've seen I, that first yeah. movie, and it's not bad. It's really no. not that bad. It's very kid. It's sure, a kid yeah. movie, but it isn't. It really isn't that bad. Uh, Jack Black also does the voice for the the doll. So oh, that's, that's Slappy. Great. Yeah, Slappy. So yeah, that's okay. great. <laughs> I have so. a, a special trilogy book of Slappy. It's like a hardback collection of all three of his books, and it's got like an impression of him on the front that you can push his face and like his eyes light up and shit. Nice. <laughs> oh, so I still have that from when I was. I a just kid. think the the main character the kid from 13 reasons why mm. yeah. yeah i think he's just a bat i just he's just has nothing <laughs> no yeah. like yeah no emotion or whatever mm. so that kind of hurts the movie but yeah so that's that's the movie i went and saw in theaters mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm gonna see in theaters next because nothing's coming out till it chapter two and i'm gonna be out of the country when that comes out so maybe oh, maybe we'll go see something in theaters see it out of the country i might i might go see it <laughs> in paris Oh, it might be interesting. Go see. I know my grandma's gonna, my, my grandma's going to take me to see that because she's a huge Stephen King fan, and yeah. we all went to mm-hmm. see the first one, so we'll go see the, the second one. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I finished out my week with a bit of light watching, and I watched a Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, just some oh, light, yes. light just watching. Some, just some light watch. <laughs> um, I've realized after the trailer for The Irishman came out. Mm-hmm. That there's a lot of Scorsese movies that I haven't seen. So I've slowly been like... Sure, he really had a run there where he was yeah. like going. I mean, I've seen Goodfellas and I've seen sure. Raging Bull and I've seen Is Casino and... Silence? Is that... The silence? Yeah, I've not seen Silence But yet. that's his. his yes. Right? Yeah. And so I was like, you know, there's a lot of them that I want to see. One of my um, really good friends was leaving for grad school and we went over to his house for a movie night. Mm. And can't think of anybody else that would be that i was like oh i've wanted to watch last temptation of christ and he was like i have it you want to watch it and we sure wow. did and we sure did we sat down and watched all two hours and 50 minutes of that movie and pop some popcorn had a is, great time is that the one that's the one david bowie is pontius Pilate? it sure is yeah okay he's great uh-huh i i actually really really enjoyed this movie a lot it's it's really well made and so is it just the story of Christ? Or no. Is it... Okay, so it is based on a it is based on a book <laughs> that is not based on the scripture, right? And it's it a is narrative. it's a narrative <laughs> about the life and death of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But it's made and it had a ton of controversy when it came out yes. because a lot of people were like, "Do not go see this movie. Do not support it. Don't do anything because it features a sex scene between." Jesus and Mary Magdalene. The way it should have happened in the Bible. Yes. But <laughs> and what is implied in the uh, angels and demons series. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, the whole movie is about Jesus Christ 
and what I really liked about it versus Why something... Why didn't you tell me that Willem Dafoe was Willem Jesus? Willem Dafoe's Jesus, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And it actually kind of sidelined his career for a long time because after he did that, nobody wanted to hire him because they were like... Same thing happened with Jim Caviezel. Yep. And whereas The Passion of the Christ is a very, like, hard, make-you-feel-bad-about-Jesus... Yes. What I really appreciate... It's a very good Catholic movie for Catholics. Yeah. What I really appreciate about The Last Temptation of Christ is it was... Jesus is treated like a person and a mm-hmm. character, and it kind of shows the struggles of of Jesus trying to be like, I'm the Messiah, but what does that mean? Because I also have feelings, mm-hmm. and I'm a real human person. And I thought it was a really interesting look at spirituality. And I'm not a, hu- I'm not a very religious person, no. but I find biblical movies endlessly fascinating. And so I really wanted to watch this movie. And I, w- I-, I liked it. I think it's, vi- it's very funny that um well the controversy so a lot of people were mad it is a movie about jesus being tempted by the devil right and while he's on the cross during the crucifixion basically the devil comes to him and says i can take this all away Mm -hmm. if you come with me and let me show you the life you could have as a normal person you won't be the messiah you won't save everybody you won't die for everyone's sins but i can take this all away and basically tricks him and says like God, God knows you. You've done this, so you're good. You're off the hook. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to be their savior anymore. So takes him down, lets him have this life. He goes and marries Mary Magdalene. They have a child. There's a very steamy sex scene between Willem Dafoe and Barbara Hershey, and it's it's something. <laughs> but and it, then it kind of like does like a thirty minute tangent where it shows Jesus's life, where he goes and lives a normal life right. afterwards, and then at the end he realizes, oh shit, that was the devil. And in his last sort of, like, praise to God that he could go back and die for everyone's sins. And that's how the movie ends. So, like, it's a whole misunderstanding misunderstanding that people were upset that it was depicting that. Because it's really just, like, a psyche analysis versus an actual, like, Like, saying this is what happened. Uh But, I mean, it was like there were terrorists burning down theaters that were showing this movie. Mm. Blockbuster never carried the movie. They refused to carry it. It's banned in, like, a bunch of different countries. How do you even get it? It's on the Criterion Collection. Oh, good. It sure is. So I went to Catholic school. Yeah. So as I got older, I, I don't... I'm not, I'm not religious now, but because that's what Are you wearing a people. pentagram on your shirt I right am, now? In fact, <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that has a pentagram that's got a smiley face on it and it says belief. Good. Um, <laughs> right? I'm not religious, but I grew up with all of that. And that's people who grew up with a lot of that end up being very devout, devout, or they go the opposite route. That's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as I was growing up, my parents had they they had TV in our rooms, and they had satellite cable, and it took them several years for them to put a parental block on things, which I eventually figured out how to get around. But before then, it was like I had free reign of everything that was on satellite mm-hmm. cable television, which is a lot of movies. And so I ended up watching Last Temptation of Christ at like 13. Yeah, that's too <laughs> young to watch that movie. It was like going to middle school and a Catholic school and watching that was very interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what they don't want us to see. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does, I think, I haven't watched it since then, but I, I remember it very vividly. It stuck uh-huh. out with me. And it's, I think, a very effective movie in that it gets you to think of Jesus as a real person, which a mm-hmm. lot of Christian and Catholic-based uh, films want you to believe he is a mythic character, when really, yeah. if he existed, he would have been 
he wasn't a god. Was, and and the other thing... something else like Jesus Christ Superstar, even, like, that movie is ridiculous, but it is also dealing with mm-hmm. what if Jesus was a real person, you and, know? And that's what I really enjoyed about this mm-hmm. movie, and a lot of it is, like, there's a couple, um, like, sequences in the movie that's just kind of like Willem Dafoe having fun. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like, you don't see movies about Jesus that show how awesome it would have been to be jesus for a small portion of his life right (laughs) it's kind of like oh yeah he could do whatever like there's the scene they're at a wedding Mm -hmm. and somebody walks over and is like we ran out of wine and willem dafoe's just sitting there he's like no you didn't and they're like what he's like go check and it's like really funny that's an interesting way to do it well it's like the bible has all this area where there is nothing mentioned about jesus it's like the scriptures are he's a baby and then you see him again at like, stories pick up where he's, like, 12, and uh-huh. he's just, like, a kid in the church, and then you see him, like, performing small miracles, and then you see him again in 33, and that's when mm-hmm. he dies. So it's, like, there is so much space to be, like, well, what <laughs> happened in all that time? You right. know, he had to have been doing things. Oh. I yeah. think it's... I've never seen Passion of the Christ. It's awful. In a, I remember in my, my family, <laughs> my family, like... Because my grandparents are Catholic, and I, they would like watch it when it first it's came out. Brutal. Watch it we'll like every that. year. Wow. Yeah, I have not seen it, but I've like, I'm sure I will watch it at some point. But it's not something that I'm like dying to see. I wanted to see this way more than I wanted to see. Passion. Wasn't he doing a sequel? He is currently oh, okay. working on a sequel. Okay. I saw the first viewing of Passion of the Christ. I saw was on with a very like a, one of my close friends when I was in elementary and middle school. Uh, his family is very religious. Mm-hmm. And they got the movie to watch on Good Friday on <laughs> 3. We watched it at 3.30 p.m., which was the time that Jesus was supposed to have died on the cross. Wow. According to yeah. biblical right. researchers. Yeah. 3.33 p.m. or some holy number on, mm-hmm. you know, some shit like that. So it's very brutal, especially at the age I saw it at. It's... I don't think it's a terrible depiction of what is supposed to... I mean, it's very much the Catholic version of what's happened, which is everything is terrible, it's violent and gory. Yeah. It's like, there is a sequence I'll never forget where it's Jesus walking through... I mean, there's a lot of the movie that is not good or does Mm -hmm. a very poor depiction of Jesus' life, but then it goes through what in Catholicism they call the Stations of the Cross, Mm -hmm. which is Uh him getting to being nailed on the cross. Right. And that is what everyone remembers from that movie because it is Mm -hmm. absolutely awful yeah of like jesus getting whipped with a cat of nine tails and like just mm-hmm. the blood running down his back and shit like that it is Ugh. it is horrific and memorable yeah passion just the way catholics want you to remember what happened to him because <laughs> he he did that for you yeah and don't you fucking forget it right? <laughs> thanks mel <laughs> yeah and that's why i appreciate um the last temptation more mm-hmm. because it, it really was like it made me it wasn't like the physical things that happened to mm-hmm. him. It was like the the mental, mental emotional, emotional turmoil that happened that I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I've never resonated with the story more than after uh-huh. seeing this movie. And I know that the uh, Paul Schrader wrote the movie. Uh-huh. He wrote Taxi Driver and mm-hmm. Raging Bull and all, wow. of, all of the other mm-hmm. like great Scorsese movies. He wrote it, and him and Scorsese have very conflicting views on the movie because mm-hmm. Scorsese always wanted to make a movie about the life of Jesus Christ. And he's very much a uh, Italian mm-hmm. Roman Catholic. So he was like, <laughs> he was very interested in, in showing how it happened and uh-huh. stuff like that. Paul Schrader was more about like, the, I want to tell this, I, this is a metaphor 
using Jesus as a character yes. to tell this story about like regret mm-hmm. and having fear and stuff. And so it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, I w- <laughs> the movie was re- it was really good, but really controversial. It only got one Oscar nomination for best director uh-huh. and nothing else. It also I don't know if it won, but it was at least nominated for several Razzies. Sure. Because there were a lot of people at the time didn't think that it was a good choice to have. All of the disciples are played kind of by like wise guy New York, New Yorkers, Uh including Judas, who is played by Harvey Keitel, Uh (laughs) who is. God, I remember that. It's very off putting when you're like, what I'm watching a movie about Judas and he's Uh and Harvey Keitel is walking and going, what are you doing, Jesus? Uh (laughs) And there's a scene where. There's a scene where Judas and Jesus are, like, having a yelling match with each other. They're, like, fighting, and the other disciples walk over, and <laughs> and Jesus just gets very calm and goes, go back to sleep. Me and Judas are having a discussion. And it's just a very <laughs> weird, funny scene. Mm-hmm. But I, I, believe, I think it makes sense mm-hmm. in, in the long run. It's kind of like, yeah, they were kind of showing the dynamic difference between the Romans and the disciples and the, sure. like these were lower status guys kind of like streetwise yeah new yorkers so uh-huh. it makes sense and if you're not trying to tell like the scripture version of jesus right. i get that and I, yeah. I thought it was fine but at the time people hated it and sure. harvey Keitel was nominated for a razzie oh wow and i think he may have won but not deserved because that uh-huh. movie it's very good and in the long run like harvey Keitel's an amazing actor uh-huh. and and he's he's great in that movie it's just it's a lot of controversy a lot of a lot of baggage surrounding that movie, but I liked it. It was, uh, I'm catching up on my Scorsese. Sure. So. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I mean, I still gotta watch The Departed, so that could be one. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I can st- tell you right now, he's not a fucking rat. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to see. We could watch Infernal Affairs, which is the Japanese movie yeah. that The Departed's based on. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. It's great. Huh. All right. But, uh. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. So an hour and nine minutes in, let's get to <laughs> our main review. I feel like we need to start making these their own episodes. We probably could. <laughs> we can do, I mean, this doesn't have to be a super long review of this movie, right. but we definitely have to talk about it. That's why it's I figured we'd do it with this movie, because yeah. there's not as much, as, I don't think we're going to have as much to talk about. All three movie. of us watched the new Hulu original documentary, The Amazing Jonathan Documentary, which yes, is what it's called. Yes, the title. Now... <laughs> Oh, I can't even like. I knew that something crazy happened halfway through. I was like, "What kind oh, of crazy?" Gonna, I knew nothing about it. Yeah, see, I, I only knew because of people reviewing it, like on Letterboxd oh, and stuff. And, I had only um, heard that people were like, "This documentary is insane. You gotta watch it." Yeah, so I, I and knew I just, something crazy was going to happen halfway through. I was like, "I have no idea what it is," and mm-hmm. I, there was no way I would have known. <laughs> I just assumed it was a very well-made documentary, and people were enjoying it. I had no clue what it was really about. Yeah, I grew up really. Love it, like from a young age, really loving magic, and so I knew of Amazing Jonathan. I and, figured and you did. Yes. I, I figured I, Raymond. I, I did not know. So who, I, I knew know about him. I never. I mean, I I probably saw a couple of things that he had done through Comedy Central, mm-hmm. um, and through like his affiliation with other magicians. I had seen him pop up. He's a friend of Weird Al, or yeah. he had been. So I mm-hmm. I knew of him. I had seen some of his acts before. Never really saw much of his, like a lot of his work, but I was familiar with it. And then I saw it pop up on, on Hulu when I was trying to watch something. I can't remember. Oh, I was trying to watch Sorry to Bother You, and that popped up. Uh-huh. And um, then I saw that the Slash Home podcast was like, we're changing what we're watching to being this documentary. And it's like, oh, this must be like 
really good or something. So I, yeah. and I was like, well, I already know this guy, like the basis of this guy. So I started watching it, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I'm so glad that you watched it, Andy, and we're like, we should do an episode on it. Yeah. Because it was, because, again, we've been using... I didn't know how to talk about this movie yes. without spoiling it. So. Yeah. Um, we've been using Letterboxd, and that's when it started to pop up for me, mm-hmm. was when people, it was starting to pop up on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and people were just like, it's just, it switches. It, it, was it mm-hmm. your review that specifically said, I read your review I said of that it, I could not, like, without getting, like, right, going, without, saying what it is about, there it was changes, a, yes. W- what, the, 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 what do you say, the theme switches when yes. the documentarian switches what it's about, yes. like, it definitely has that switch, yes. and it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> I definitely thought, when I started it, because about the first 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. it's very by the numbers. This is going to be a documentary mm-hmm. about this guy. And, going, he, and he has problems. Going to die. He's going to yeah. die. He's going to all that. Uh, but I had never heard of The Amazing uh-huh. Jonathan. I'd never seen anything. So I right. wasn't very connected. Mm-hmm. And then it very quickly shifts when he... Um, I think the first, the first moment in the movie when I was like, excuse me? Is when he was talking about how he did... Um, how he did cocaine a lot. I was uh-huh. like, oh, that's pretty crazy. He was like, I did cocaine a lot. Well, now I he do speed. speed. And then and then <laughs> it cuts speed. to another person that's like, I don't know why he keeps calling it speed. Because he's... I think that's his wife. Yeah, yeah. it's his yeah. wife. He's like, She's oh, like, he meth. keeps calling it speed, but he's smoking meth. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, because she was like, well, I didn't think you could smoke speed. Uh-huh. And then she's like, oh, it's meth. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, because it's not. It's, it's crystal meth that uh-huh. he is smoking. It's like... Oh, just the amount of times okay. he's like, I need to go to the bathroom. Where's my lighter? The amount of times he said that was yeah. crazy. Every it's time like, he was just going yeah. to go smoke in the bathroom. And that is the point in the movie about then when the subject of the documentary switches from the amazing Jonathan yes, to, the to Ben the director. Uh-huh. And I started having problems with the movie uh-huh. around that point. I think that the movie is a very compelling documentary, and mm-hmm. I think it's super entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of morally wrong because it mm-hmm. starts out as a documentary about this guy and kind of like a version of him and it and he takes what he is given. The documentary the documentarian Ben, he's taken what he is given and he crafts a really interesting and entertaining story. Right. But he makes himself the main character. So it shouldn't be called The Amazing Jonathan. Well, it's about and that's, the documentary. And it's about that's the docu- it becomes, yeah. And that's what I think is really interesting, is it becomes a movie about the making of the documentary. About making a documentary, uh, yes. okay. The things that I have problem with is I think that he paints himself out to be way more of a victim of the documentary than he is in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's very... It is what it's, happens it's to him. very muddled. Yeah. yeah. And what happens to him is pretty shitty... Mm-hmm. But I think he overreacts to it for dramatic purposes yeah. to kind of make it seem but way like, worse what, than it really is. So if you were in that position, how would you... Because I, I, I got to the point where he's like, I don't know how to end this. Or how, where is this going? Like, where would you take it? What would you do? I don't know. That's, <laughs> That's why like, I'm not a documentarian <laughs> because... That I have made a documentary before. Uh-huh. I've made documentaries, and that's the hardest thing, is you get all this footage, and then you make the story. Right. And so with something like this, and I do think that the way Jonathan went about telling him that there are other documentaries oh, is yeah. awful, and it's a shit position that he puts him in on camera. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he's allowed to do that, though. Yeah. Like, there's yes. nothing wrong. And that People... Even when he goes, he talks to that Chad guy. He's like, "Well, he can do it. Why wouldn't he do it?" And I like, think, and I <laughs> Chad think, doesn't feel bad about it. No, Chad just juggles chainsaws. And I also <laughs> think that that guy's like 
the most likable person in the movie. Yes. yes. And was kind of my reaction when he found out about the, like, I was like, oh shit, that's a shitty way to find out. But ultimately he's like, but yeah, he could do that. Make your documentary better. Right. I think Chad even makes it. He's like, he probably he could have a hundred. Like Chad even like, is like, yeah, could have I think more. The doc, what the documentary does best is build a case for why the documentary is what it is. Because he then he like, when they start realizing that there's other movies being made, mm-hmm. he goes, well, what else is there to say that he's going to, like, that you're going to be able to say because there's another one. Because when he goes through his own footage and he then starts compiling it for you in front of you, Jonathan says the same things all the time. He yes. has sound bites. That he, he, yeah. When he finds he that third documentary, stories. the lady yeah. gives him the footage and it turns out he's saying the same bites. thing. So then what do you so, yes. you give? Right. I give up at that point. Uh-huh. So I'm just making, I'm not making the better version of what, because there's... Apparent, there's supposedly Academy Award winning people doing it, and that, so I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm that not. That part is so I don't I, understand what has happened there. Did they like? I know it's left up to interpretation because he doesn't know. I he think, hasn't talked. Maybe it's in the the director of that documentary, Steve Byrne, has responded to that maybe in this comment on YouTube that we found. You, 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 you heard the phone call message after the credits started, right? Yeah. The yes, credit, with, yeah. okay. with the producer. Yes, yes right. Yes. But that, <laughs> Which is he's just still even the, another twist that I was like, oh my god. It still doesn't mean that he's a producer. <laughs> no, he didn't no, know about no, it. No. Like, and what? here's what I... But what they said then is partially true. I'm sure they worded it some way. Here's, it's probably not as true, but... Here's what I think happened. Is they came to Jonathan, and we don't know, because he never talks to the other document, because they don't want to be in his movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so we never get to hear their side of it. Uh-huh. They probably, in my opinion, they probably went to Jonathan and said, hey, we got this equipment from this company. They, I don't think they probably ever said that this guy was a producer, but right. Jonathan jumps on so quickly whenever anything like that is there. Right. So he built it up in his head yes. oh, yeah. that it was being made by this guy. Right, but that's such a specific thing. Like, why would you tell him, for one, that you rented equipment from this guy who's made these movies. Probably to help with the credibility. But I suppose. Yes, that's what I'm thinking, that they worded it some way to help with their credibility. But then he took it and ran with it, and he's such a, like, boisterous asshole mm-hmm. that he's telling everybody and their brother that I'm having a, a Oscar, these guys, an yeah. Oscar award winner that's doing a documentary on me. And then he's purposefully being a dick to Ben mm-hmm. about his documentary. And I think the thing that pissed me off and got me on board with Ben the most was when he was like, well, this is great for you. You can write on the coattails of this other documentary. Yeah. I like, told he does them, that at like the radio station, yeah. right? He's, he's like, I, that on air. He's like yeah. I told them that they could come out with theirs first. So this is great that you can, so you yeah. can write on their coattails, which is uh-huh. the last thing you want to hear said about your movie. Right, yeah. Right. You'll, and, you'll come out second. <laughs> yeah, so I, like I agree with that. And it's like, it's shitty the way, but ultimately I feel like Ben is mad at the other people mm-hmm. when it seems like Jonathan's, the problem which goes back to my point that it should go back and still be a documentary about jonathan doing these things he should have spent time going in and investigating that instead of taking everything that jonathan said for truth Mm -hmm. and then and then and building up and making his documentary talk and do that and calling his friends Mm -hmm. and complain to them and then going back later and confronting jonathan about Mm -hmm. it Uh which was 
a really hard scene to watch yeah. because I was like... It's like, you understand it, but it's like, boy... I understand <laughs> it, but he get, he's in a place... He does it such a, an amateurish way. Like, how could yeah. you say it that the way that you do to... Right, that? he doesn't plan it well enough to... No. ...with no. the questions that he asks or how he puts it. No. Because I never... I mean, they he puts it in a way to make you question his disease, but uh, I never questioned his disease yeah. until Ben starts questioning well, like the disease. Early on but, in the movie, you start off with, like, an inter- like a B-roll shot... Of all of these canisters of pills that, like, uh-huh. they're prescription pills. So it's like, well, either he's faking it, or, you know, and how his did wife, you get all and these it's prescriptions? Like, right? within the first five minutes, his wife is crying that she's yeah. like, he's yeah. going to die any day. So I, I at think that point, I'm like, how do you think that it's not real? Right. But also, how, if he has that disease, how does he, how has he lived that long? Well, I mean, well, he's doing, towards the end, he's clearly doing way worse. Yeah, you know, the amount of drugs he's doing. Sure, how's <laughs> Keith Richards still alive? Right. Yeah. Or Ozzy. You know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it crazy. might actually be keeping him alive at this point. That right, that's what I was thinking. Like, the, all the drugs he's doing, maybe mm-hmm. that's what's keeping yeah. him going. Um, but the one thing that I, I couldn't believe was when he starts to realize that there's all these other documentaries. Mm-hmm. The wife is kind of talking about when there's a second one. But I'm surprised he never goes back and talks about the wife with those documentaries. Like, talking to her about it. Like yeah, he kind of he things. gets mad and goes off in his own thing and starts making his movie about himself and how unfair it was and how he's the victim. And it's like even when and I th- um sorry, but even when yeah. Jonathan is like like giving Ben the cold shoulder, it always then cuts to like even when they're like in the same place together, but he's like kind of ignore like it shows that he's ignoring Ben. The wife is always like way more giving, like she's not yeah. ignoring him. So like there's got to be. A room, room in there somewhere for you to ask her about it unless she just deferred any questions about it. It seems but, like it's, you know, he's such yeah. an easy subject to make a documentary about. Right. It shouldn't be that hard because, like, he's his wife is, yeah, she seems like she's giving. She would talk to them. He's being an asshole to her as much as he's being mm-hmm. an asshole to Ben. I would have immediately gone to her and been like, how do you feel about these comments that he's making yeah. to you that's, like, really... It, but he doesn't do that. He's right. like, he goes back and is like, "Look what Jonathan said to me." Yeah, and, and then his decision to do meth. Yes, I, <laughs> I think that is insane. To it like was, make his documentary. Better it had than me others. on the edge right, of he my was looking seat for an edge for yes. his documentary. Yes, it had me on the edge of my seat. But it, ultimately, I'm like, he is so desperate. Don't do it. Right, and it doesn't really. It doesn't. I mean, it's. It, I like that he included it because clearly it's something he struggled with, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't lead anywhere. No. Because it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't change anything. The, it's just you he's get still a shot like, of him afterwards, and it's like, how'd that make you feel? The cameraman's asking him, and he just doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, clearly he hates that he did that. But, yeah. All right, that's it. That's the end of that part uh-huh. of the movie. It's cool. And okay. The, another part that was like crazy to me was that he hires that actor. Oh, I love that scene. To I go in, there were so many good like the way it was shot, like the comedic timing and like uh-huh. comedic elements of this. He did a really good job. Like I said, that. I think like I think in his situation, he was coming from Comedy would... Central. Like you read that in the one of the things, but he was like, doing yeah, Comedy Central and Comedy Bang Bang was yeah. like who he was doing it for. One and so. I think that like in your situation when you're able to take a documentary that's not going the way mm-hmm. you want and you're able to craft a story by turning it on to something else. Yeah. Something else. I think that in I've seen other documentaries do it very well. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with this is there is a clear story to tell here about the amazing Jonathan mm-hmm. that none of these other documentaries are actually doing. 
Like, I think there is a subject there that has really compelling and interesting things, but Jonathan's such an asshole that nobody can get close enough, Mm -hmm. and he kind of is fucking everybody over that nobody can do that. But why not make the documentary about that Mm -hmm. versus yourself? You know what I mean? It's like, none of us have seen the other big documentary that came out it is free freely available on youtube and i meant to watch it and i just i didn't end up getting to it okay. but i was interesting to see i was interested to see how much of the same material is in it mm-hmm. that jonathan would have given them how what it focuses on does uh, it focus on his comeback tour apparently you know, that's what also it also kind of devolves into being about the documentary oh really yeah that's what i've heard okay oh really because that may when they when they're sitting up there doing the questions they specifically talk about the three shows that he goes back and does. Or That's whatever. when they, like they really pick up stuff which and film. Which yeah. yeah, also right, yeah. are excruciatingly hard to watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it from the aspect of being a fan and, like, seeing him do those jokes again and, like, seeing Ugh. some new material. But I 100% agree where it's, like, it's tough to watch. Them. And he's, like, making jokes about baby stem cells. And yeah, it's like, oh, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's always... From from what I had seen of him growing up, that is kind of That's it, was, it was subversive. I mean, he was fueled by cocaine, also, yeah. but it was like subversive humor, which he was very right. much like Penn and Teller in that way. But Penn and Teller focused more on being funny while doing magic, and he I focused forgot on that being, Penn was in this. Yes, and he focused <laughs> the very beginning. Uh, Jonathan more focused on being edgy with magic. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's like magic was definitely the secondary thing to being a edgy comedian. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's I. I thought it was funny that he started off you know with all the celebrities talking uh-huh. about the amazing jonathan and then halfway through the movie it comes back and he starts asking them about like what do you think i should do <laughs> yeah. and the reactions should i do cocaine and yeah. eric andre's like yes eric andre's <laughs> like i've never done i've or never meth. done meth yeah but in eric your position so i would 100 percent do meth you should do it <laughs> and carrot top is like yeah you should do it and the weird al's like no <laughs> kenzie just turned to me like when it showed weird out for like the third like the second time and then the third time too she's like he's just the sweetest man I was he like, is. he's yep. so nice yeah. weird Al's, like reportedly one of the nicest people yes yeah. oh yeah I, I, everything i've seen from him he's just the nicest yeah. what i did like what he decided to do which i thought was very like touching was that he does go to that producer and gets him to produce so that that's specifically, also a funny twist way to end yes, your own movie to specifically go and tell him like you actually did get one produced by this guy mm-hmm. yeah you, i also it think actually, but then he, it doesn't seem like it really lands on i mean it doesn't seem like it lands on jonathan that that should be anything to be celebrated i think it's yeah, interesting he's very how happy he's, about it and he like yeah. tells his whole family well, i mean it seems like he doesn't but, really register like what the other people were like that he well, got no. lied to Right. It's like that. He's just like, okay. It's like, oh, now I'm getting a movie by this. And he producer. tells the same exact fucking thing to everyone, yeah. which he already told people. It kind of seems, yeah, it seems like that's in the movie to show like how quickly Jonathan he turned on him turned story, and then yeah. immediately turns back on him just because he had this great and shiny thing. That yes. Jonathan's like, oh, all right. And also, he's a dying man. He tells, which I didn't understand. He fucking goes to Jonathan's mom's 96th birthday or something like that. Or 90th, like, yeah, 90th, 90th birthday. 90th yeah. birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why are, are you, you here, you? dude? Yeah, like, that seems so... Inc- After like, Jonathan told him to get the fuck out, you uh-huh. fucking asshole, he shows up at his mom's 90th birthday party, like, months later, it seems like. It's like, I get that, like, he he must have, like, had it in with his mom because they filmed him earlier. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what a crazy thing to do to show up to someone's mother's 90th birthday. <laughs> and he's not... the whole family, and he's by himself. And he's like, not walking at that point, either. No, he's, he's, like, like yeah, on Jonathan's his electric... I just was... Ex- I know... Like, they bring that up with, 
the documentary like you're just waiting for me to die but at the same time as i was watching i just kept expecting for it to like go to black and say like he died or, well, like, yeah, he I knew he still died yeah yeah, it's... yeah I see i didn't know I, I thought for sure it was some at some point it was going to say that and then yeah it, when it went to the nursing home i was like oh is he now in a a home but then it just turned out that it was for his mom but i just kept waiting for like something like that to happen yeah but it's also like that's what the documentary right. was waiting on as well, which ben, is like crazy. that's what they come to terms with. Like, yes, Ben doesn't answer that, but it's like that would be the clear end to a documentary that they yes. hasn't been done. Yeah, is that Jonathan has to die? So it's like, well, what yeah. do you do? I think the movie excels best when it is a study of someone making a documentary and the interaction that the subject and the documentarian have with each other. Mm-hmm. Not that they're, like, the best parts, but they are the most interesting and unique, where, like, that confrontation, the last couple confrontations that Ben has with Jonathan, where he's like, are you faking it? And, and Jonathan, like, turns on him and says, you know, fuck you forever doing that. And yeah. then when they have the reconciliation later, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what? Yeah. how do you end your movie, you know? Mm-hmm. I think an example that's done very well of... Uh, taking making yourself the subject of the documentary you don't set out that way but about halfway through Mm -hmm. it becomes you this the documentarian becomes part of the subject Mm -hmm. is the hbo series the jinx oh absolutely i think that does it a million times better Mm -hmm. they're also dealing with a murderer right (laughs) so it's a little more they have to be way more strategic about it but you know i think that's a very good example of you know what it takes to the last two episodes of that series in particular are really, really good insights in what it takes to make a documentary like that. Absolutely. And so that, I think, does a better job of it. This is an interesting look with a bunch of twists, but I right. I can't help but feel like a lot of it is played up for dramatic effect. Yeah, well, it's like, glad... It feels weird sometimes when you have the cameraman shooting Ben at like the computer re- like revealing things because mm-hmm. it's like... Was he just shooting you looking at the computer? Or were you like, oh, turn this on and we're going to do this? Yes. Because otherwise, why is the cameraman just filming you looking at your computer about things? Also, why is that interesting? I've related to his dad so hard when he shows it to his dad, and his dad's like, why did you interview me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's like, I don't even remember. That was that. a weird yeah. point where you're like watching them watching the documentary that you were watching. <laughs> like, uh-huh. It's like, okay. Yeah. But I was, yeah, I also agree. I was like, why is his. That, that part when his, like, he first starts to go to his dad mm-hmm. and, and his uh, stepmom, mm-hmm. or, and then it keeps going back to them, yeah. and it's like, okay. I thought that was the worst part of the mm-hmm. narrative. Like, I think it's it's a good introspective look into why it's not explained necessarily, but why Ben is look like the angle he is most likely looking for is is for Jonathan to die, mm-hmm. and that seems Based to be the angle that he, he is. What he has already, and that's his own yeah. introspective, like, oh, I guess this yeah. has been leading me to figure that out. But also, it's very, very much self-centered in that way, uh-huh. where it's like, we could have gone without all of it. It's like, it's touching, but it's also, what place does that really have in this mm-hmm. documentary uh-huh. to feature, I think, maybe 15 to 20 minutes on your parents and you and your mom dying and all that. It's like, yeah. what it means for you to be a director. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, I like... I'm glad we talk about these movies because mm-hmm. I, I was like totally just like on his side about it, uh-huh. but it's great to hear yeah. your side of it. Mm-hmm. And then that puts a lot, of, a lot of it into perspective as well. Is that I, there was definitely times where I was like, Oh, like filming him watching that Marin 
Oh, Mark Maron. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that spot just specifically to get that uh-huh. shot of them. T- like, there was a lot of that, like you said. Like, yeah, watching why would the, he be watching, watching that the... specifically? Other yes. than, like, why, to get why is shot. the camera rolling? Yeah. And, like, in a good documentary, you're, like, rolling all the time on your subject. But why is the cameraman rolling on Ben watching a stand-up And movie? then going to talk to his friend that looks like the guy from Veep. Like, I thought oh, yeah. that was weird. Anytime that was a it, weird Anytime angle. it went to him... Everything he had to say, I was like, that's insane. What are you saying right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also a good setup for maybe Jonathan shouldn't have that friend? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I, we, have we watched a documentary for this show before? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not that I, know. I have plenty of documentaries that I should make you guys watch. I've watched a lot as well. But yes, yeah. I, I, I don't, we haven't done one for the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't seen the Jinx. I've heard. Oh my god! So I, I've good. seen that scene. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame because that's really. Well, neat. I've heard about. It. Maybe I haven't actually seen it, but I've heard that. I think it still plays out best plays when great. you watch yes. the show. Yes. Yeah. I would love to watch that one. So, this okay. one just had some crazy twists. Every twist right. was just my. Yeah. I was like, my mouth was open. I was like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. End, I all of his interactions with what's his name Simon, the producer of those documentaries, uh-huh. are a little weird and stilted. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it seems like that guy does not like being uh, in front of the camera, which no, is fair. But and I also, think it seems like very much, I think like it's also he's on board with everything. Yeah. But also, all the filmed interactions are like him going, huh, okay, mm, mm, okay. Mm. Well, <laughs> like, I think it's kind of unfair to him that he poses that question to him on camera in the middle of an interview for mm. his movie. Will you right. be my producer? There's cameras on you, what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like it doesn't show him saying yes either. Right. But it's then, like, then, just like, then it's yes, the reveal that yeah. he did. Yeah. And then the first the I first was, credit was executive produced by Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for it to turn out turn out that the end that he said no uh-huh. and then he just told Jonathan that and was able yeah. and Jonathan like switched sides and he was gonna be like uh-huh. look at how quickly you switched just because you thought I had this one guy, which you know makes sense. Uh-huh. Like if somebody yeah. came to you and said, I'm gonna direct your movie and then it's like, just kidding, Steven Spielberg's going to direct your movie. Uh-huh. And then afterwards it's like, gotcha, I directed it the whole time. I'd be pissed. Yeah. Like, that's right. a shitty thing to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I, get, I, I agree with what, again, what Chad was saying. Like, he had every right. He could. Yeah. Why, why, why not? <laughs> it, he's, you know, it's not, it's not illegal to be a jerk. No. <laughs> and it's like, he could have handled it better, but if people are going to, like, he wants to, he's, he likes being famous. Yeah. And it's like, there's. If you only got a certain amount of time to live, why not just go, okay, go, yeah, go to town, do whatever you want. Yeah. The fact that two of them, the Nikki one and the Chad one, uh-huh. both started in 2014, uh-huh. like two Which years. Is when he, well, that's when he announced. Right, he announced that, yeah. yeah. So the, the, there was two two years before Ben started, started, too, yeah. <laughs> and they had no idea about. All right, well, it's been a long podcast, so. Yes. It has. I think we're uh, we're out of we're out as long as the documentary was. At yeah. This point. So <laughs> all right. I I think it was an interesting watch, and sounds like you guys thought so too. Yeah. So yes, it was. All right. Glad you decided for us to watch it. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, no problem. I don't know how I would have talked about this in our what we've been watching section. Right. It would have been like five minutes because I don't know how I would without without us all seeing. That's yeah, why yeah. I was like immediately. I was like, you guys should all watch it so uh, we can talk about it. So. Great. All right, well, we will be back next week with another episode. Uh, oh, we should say, before we end this, that I have got the, I mean, we still have, we haven't. Uh, Twitter? Twitter? Yeah, yeah, Twitter and our Letterboxd accounts we should plug at some point. Yes. Our Twitter is NSAOTPod. <laughs> yeah. It is not necessarily easy, but if you go to NSAO, at NSAOTPod, 
that is our film Twitter account, which you can read, uh, reach us, and you yeah. can also find our Twitter accounts from there. Yeah, as well. That's us. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And find us on Letterboxd. <laughs> We're all Good there. Job, <laughs> I've rated so many movies. <laughs> Glad you figured out the password. Yeah. I'm proud of you. <laughs> it wasn't even in. It wasn't in my browser, but Google remembered all of it. Oh, good. So like, good. I was like, sign into account, and then I start typing what like I think the email address is, and mm-hmm. it just popped up with all my saved info. But it wasn't in my list of stuff that I had saved in. Yeah. It was like a sit, and then it logged me. I was like, oh, that's it. Then I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, all Google. Right. <laughs> Well, we will see you next week with another episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.